0: Welcome to TSF Life, a podcast ministry of the Shepherd's Fellowship Church in Marion, Ohio. TSF Life is designed to bring you biblical teaching in a relational way that's easy to apply to your life. Let's join Pastor Tom Hypes as we dive into today's teaching.
1: Okay, well, let's take our study. If you have a testimony, even if you told it to me, i am like, like been getting several, um, that some might have slipped through. I'm going to be sharing one as part of the study from Jessica Ferratini uh, and a couple of mine. But if, I, uh, if you've got to make sure you touch base with me. Cause we'll get some more in next week to encourage one another. So uh, with that, we're going to dig in a little bit and talk about our new study series. Um, this study series comes out of an initial impression, kind of like the last one did, when we were talking like the practicals of Jesus, and then it kind of, more we got and studied, more it became about kingdom living and how do we live kingdom living all the time from a practical standpoint. Um, This one, I I really kept feeling a a desire during December to talk about the prophecies of Jesus as we've been going through the life of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus, learning and growing from it, and I really didn't know how to do that in a three-week series. Uh, you know, we got this, the prophecies of the Old Testament, how Jesus fulfilled them, the prophecies Jesus has given us that have not been fulfilled yet, um, and kind of kept struggling with it and going with it. And then it ended up kind of being a launch pad into this series called Sent. So today we're going to talk about prophecy a little bit. Today we're going to talk about some different things. Uh, and, and fulfillment, uh, but I think it's, God's got something in the, a little bit more for us to see things from a different point of view. Because when we talk about prophecy, if we talk about prophets, uh, tell me, what do you guys know about prophets? What do you think of when you think about prophets? Yes, this is not rhetorical. Come on up. Truth telling. Truth telling? What else? Huh? You're very soft today, worship pastor. Sin? Okay. Calling out sin. It's calling out sin, yeah. Not a lot, okay. I, I think a lot of people when I talk to them, uh, those are actually two somewhat deeper a- answers because a lot of times it ends up just being a, like about the old guys with the big beards and the Old Testament, that would talk about the future. <laughs> they say, why are you sitting by him if you're not gonna control him? <laughs> you know when Amanda's not in the room, anyways. But uh, I'm going to give you a definition. This is not my favorite definition. This is my second favorite definition for today's study. Um, We might build ourselves to that first definition, but with the help of Chris here, um, I want to start by looking at a prophet as a person regarded as an inspired teacher or proclaimer of the will of God. Um, And with this definition, it does not ignore the fact that there is a gift of prophecy, that there are those that have different, I mean, we'll all have spiritual gifts if you've accepted Jesus as leader and forgiven your life. By acknowledging with your mouth he's the son of God and believing in your heart he died and rose again. Otherwise, you're God, I'm not. According to scripture, we'll have spiritual gifts. And for some people, that's prophecy. Uh, that's not necessarily what I'm referring to today as much as what we think of when we think of a prophet. Um, and so a person regarded as an inspired teacher, a proclaimer of the will of God. Um, there are many that fit into that when we look at it from a biblical standpoint. Uh, when you got the Old Testament, there's definitely a season where prophets are somewhat prominent, not the prophecy is done, but some the prof- uh, prominent. Uh, Nicole mentioned Isaiah today. Uh, we're going to talk about Isaiah a little bit. Uh, Jeremiah, uh, if you want to study in his life, Ezekiel, Daniel or uh, some of the bigger, uh, major prophets. There's minor prophets as well. If you get into the... Uh, Books and, and I, uh, the, these. Uh, and actually, I don't even think these are listed on a new version, but I can give them to you. Or you can just Google minor prophets. Uh, the books of Hosea, Joel, Amos, Obadiah, Jonah, Micah, Nahum, Habakkuk, Zephaniah, Haggai, Zechariah, and Malachi are all minor prophets um, from an Old Testament standpoint. And there's a lot there to, to study. I have heard. Not just in the area of prophets, but in others as well. Uh, Some people complain like, well, my church never taught me about prophets. Tom hasn't done a series on prophets yet. Um, This is going to sound really blunt, and I'm I'm sorry. I think you guys know me well enough. I can be blunt. It's not my job to do that. Um, My job is to lead people to the Lord, uh, call people, train people, and send them out. Uh, So we won't get into everything of the scripture on Sunday mornings only. That's why we all have Bibles for ourselves and can dig into them and find these things because it's a treasure trove that we won't, we, we won't always talk about on Sunday mornings. And right now, media has some great resources on the prophets and the minor prophets, and there's a lot there for you. But it, today, as a, a launch pad, I just wanted to kind of brush up against a few. My, my favorite um, was Amos. I don't know if you've ever studied the, the life of Amos. I actually wrote a report on him. I, I don't mean to brag, but... I wrote a little report in uh, in 2000, 10, 30, 2000, when I was going through my pastoral studies on Amos, and I got a, Tom, I like this, the (laughs) same, not bragging. No sticker? Oh, no, but when you get into it, there's a couple places with explanation points, isn't that cool? And, good, yeah, but... uh, The reason I like Amos is because Amos, like a prophet, when we think about prophets, a lot of times it's like the two telling, the calling out sin. Um, It's going to be Israel is being Israel and they're messing up. They don't know it. Um, They are in a season of prosperity, which is basically comparable to who we are as a Christian church in the United States today. You might not feel like you have a lot of money, but Trust me, from a global standpoint, if you got a roof over your head, you got food, you're prosperous. And Israel is in a prosperous state. And they had become comfortable with not having need enough that they stopped really looking to God for their provision and came to a point where they didn't realize that they were using money as an idol, but they were. And the prophet was called by God to come in and say, this is not okay I'm not patient with this. You guys have to turn from your ways and I will re-establish you. If not, it's going to go badly. Now, we hear that type of message from prophets all the time. But when you think that Israel is a few million people, to be the prophet, we always think, you know, he's like, way to go, um, is intimidating to some. And the thing that I love about Amos is when God came to him and said, this is the message you're going to take to my people. Amos had never heard from God before, he was a shepherd, and he was a farmer of sycamore trees, and God says, I want you to go tell everybody they're screwing up, and I thought, man, that's, that's, the the, the whole report I wrote was him writing a letter to his dad, because he was freaking out, from, from that standpoint, that's why, the reason I like Amos, is he was faithful, even though he didn't have that stature, Uh, I like Jonah. I think most of us know the basic story of Jonah. At least you read the co- comic book version of it, maybe when you were a kid and were going to church or whatnot. Uh, Jonah was, was one, he was a little bit different than, um, than Amos from the standpoint that he did have that statue. and He was known as the prophet. Uh, and then, as you know, as the story goes, God says, I've got this message. And he says, great, tell me. I'm ready to do it again. He's been doing this for years. And he says, okay, there's a, there's a message of repentance. Go tell the Ninevites. He's like, wait, hold on. Who? because they're not God's chosen people, and he didn't want anything to do with them. And all of a sudden, his prejudice was at the top of things. Um, And again, we can find some parallels to that with the modern-day church as well. And he didn't want to go. So right, he ran away, got thrown off the boat. There's a big storm. He gets swallowed up by a fish, which sounds really weird. But isn't that pretty cool of God, to make sure he just didn't die in the storm and gave him protection within that? And some people I know uh, believe that that's an allegorical tale or a metaphor. Uh, I don't in any way, shape, or form. I remember when I was uh, growing up, maybe I was about Jackson's age, uh, we had a pastor who I give full props to. He was the first person to ever believe in me ministry wise. Uh, I was in a church that the teens were not allowed to pray in front of everybody. That was the only men, adult men. Would pray. And uh, my pastor knew he had a, uh, I had a call on me and uh, asked me one week to, to lead the prayer, and uh, he got a lot of people really ticked off at him for it. Um, and he, he ended up getting fired because he wouldn't use the King James, he was using the NIV. Uh, that's the church I grew up in. But uh, his wife thought it was allegorical, which made a lot of people really, really upset. Um, the thing is, is he's mentioned in Second Kings as a real person. He served for d- d- a couple of generations under a king, let me make sure I get this right, King, do, 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 Jeroboam II, who's a real person that we know about. We also have Jesus refers to him as a real person in Matthew 12 and Luke 11. Uh, so when we look at the context of Scripture, it's not a metaphor. It's just God's crazy. That's crazy. And when he was finally regurgitated up on the, the beach, which that would be a great day, um, and he went and did what God told him to do, and they all got saved, this great, great prophet went up on a hillside and pouted because he was mad at God for saving them. You know, there's just so much within the, these different prophets that we have to look at. There, there's a ton of them. Make sure you, you study it so you can find some great things there. Um, but I'll, I'll give you some stats, kind of like what Nicole did. And I was kind of liking digging how the Holy Spirit put these things together. How many times did you say peace was mentioned? 329. 329 times. Prophecies about Jesus in the Old Testament are over 350. Just in the Old Testament outnumber how much he talks about peace which is such an important topic and such an important thing that we need. 350 times. I'm gonna give you just a couple examples to see where I put that um, and I'll just ramble just so you kind of have a, a feel for things. Again Messiah is going to be a prophet, Deuteronomy 18. Messiah would be preceded by Elijah, Malachi 4 which is filled in Matthew 11. Uh, Messiah would be declared the Son of God. He'd be in Nazarene. He'd uh, bring light to Galilee. He would speak in parables. Set to heal the broken hearted, again Isaiah, uh, Messiah would be a priest under the order of uh, Malachi. Um, Messiah would be called king, he'd be praised by little children, he'd be betrayed. The Messiah's price money would be used to buy a potter's field in Zechariah. Messiah would be falsely accused, he'd be signed for his accusers, he'd be spat upon and struck. Uh, he would be hated without cause. He would be crucified with criminals. He would be given vinegar to drink. Uh, and just on and on as about his resurrection and, and his, his, uh, his death. Uh, and the thing that's awesome about that, again, is uh, Jesus didn't have control over most of that. It's not like he could say, I'm going to be the Messiah, so I'm going to take and talk them into crucifying me in between two criminals and uh, ask for wine, and somehow they'll f- figure out, what like, well, I really mean it's vinegar. You know, like, There's no control over that, and there was no... Uh, we wrote this after the fact, trying to match him up to prophecies, trying to make him look good, because the prophecies we're talking about, they had for 700 to 2,000 years that everybody had access and been taught. So there's no way to fake it from the background by, by messing with the record. He fulfilled a massive amount of ministry. Matter of fact, uh, we'll put this data from, from uh, Peter Stoner uh, from the book Science Speaks. For one person, even if you did go all the way to modern age, one person to fulfill all the prophecies that were given about the Messiah in the Old Testament is one end. What, what would that be? Thousand to the million to the billion to the trillion to what, whatever is above trillion. Uh, to the 17th power. That, that's easier to say, but I have no idea what that means. Uh, but it's, it's phenomenal. Phenomenal. They give you a, a feel for how improbable it is for Jesus to be able to do what he did for anybody else to even come close to mirroring it. I was looking at some stuff when it comes to DNA, and it always talks about like 99.9% this and that. that. I wanted to know like one in what is DNA match. What does that mean? Uh, and after, I had to look for several di- different sources, and then once I found I found it confirmed by five websites. So may, maybe it's wrong, but a DNA match is one in five million. We send people away for life for one in five million. And Jesus fulfilling it is 10th to the 17th power. It's crazy. It's crazy. Awesome stuff. If we look at Christmas alone, thank you, Chris. If I go back to this lesson, look at Christmas alone. The things that would be outside of his power. Uh, Genesis 3.15 tells us Messiah would be born of a woman. That one's kind of easy. Messiah would be born in Bethlehem. They spent a season in Egypt and that he would be called a Nazarene is a hat trick. It's crazy. But he was born because of the census in Bethlehem. He was sent to Egypt to protect him, when they were killing the babies. He did go back, and he was a Nazarene, and they cl- that was claimed as his hometown. That, that takes God. Uh, he'd be from the line of Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. From the tribe of Judah, he would be heir to King David's <laughs> throne. Messiah's throne would be anointed and eternal. That He would be called Emmanuel. We're going to talk about that in a second. A massacre of children would happen at the Messiah's birthplace, as Jeremiah 31.15 fulfilled in Matthew 2. A messenger would prepare the way for Jesus, as we know, John the Baptist. The Messiah would be rejected by his own people, both in Psalms and Isaiah, which we see happen several times, including in John. So there's a great amount of prophecy that had to be fulfilled by this infant, by this infant that had to come into place. I want to focus on that a little bit on Isaiah, the one that... Uh, Nicole was talking about earlier. Uh, how many people are for Isaiah? Okay, for the most part. Oh, come on people, get in your Bible. Um, he, was around, he was around 700 B.C., so he's about 700 years before Jesus, that his prophecies came, that his writings were being handed out. Uh, 700 years is a buttload of time. Just a massive amount of time. I, I, was, uh, I dropped off Emily and Jenny into a store the there the other night, and I was waiting in the car for them. Uh, it was Jenny's car, so we had one of my wife's lame radio stations on. Uh, no, she knows, she knows. She knows. It, it was, it's like all, like, string music, classical, like, uh, public radio stuff, and uh, yeah. Church full of goobers. Okay, So, and for whatever reason, I, just, I did not change it, and they started playing this piece, And Jenny gets in the car and she's like laughing, like, I'm surprised you should listen to this. I didn't want to change it to Christmas or whatever. And so it was the tone behind it, but the question was, oh, what do you listen to, honey? I said, well, this was a song that was written in the late 1600s. It was written by, now I forget the guy's name. Uh, It was written in seven different pieces and it's supposed to resemble a battlefield. Uh, which really comes at the, the middle section, and the, the end comes down to the romance of the wounded. The conductor made them put paper underneath the strings on the basses to get a rattling noise. And the, for the violins, they had to play with the wood instead of the string to get, get the, just the, the right bump sound that he wanted. And so she's like, what are you talking about? He talk about every song on here for like five minutes. And so much information for a song that's 350 years old. This is twice that. That song was written before we were a nation. This is almost three times that, that they ha- had this information. And that just, that, that, that blows my mind. He possibly started out as a scribe instead of a sycamore tree farmer. Served under five kings uh, for over 50 years total. Again, we've got tons of information on this. Um, he was well loved at first, but when you're telling people prophecy, uh, he was not much respected at the end. Uh, to the point that we believe that he was sawed in half by the final king, uh, out of his anger. Uh, incredible ministry for 50 years, but um, find that have had very little response by his listeners in the long term. Uh, like you talk to people in church, like, oh, if we just do church right, we'll be 5,000 people. That's not biblical. Not biblical. We're called to faithfulness, not not to uh, success. And uh, that's what Isaiah found. Incredible ministry, but little response. Uh, and he has over how, how many times did he say peace? It's incredible me that you brought up Isaiah. 30? 30? He has over 120 prophecies on Jesus just in Isaiah. Um, and so here's, we'll just go through a couple with Christmas help that are more Christmas-oriented uh, or the Christmas narrative story. Isaiah 7.14 says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son and shall call his name Emmanuel, 700 years before Jesus was born. We all know, in the hindsight, who he's talking about. Matthew one twenty three, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call him Emmanuel. The next one will give you, and this, this one cracks me up, Isaiah 9.6. For to us a child is born, thus the son is given, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and the name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, 700 years before. Holy cow, who is he talking about? Is there anybody else ever in history that we would say, well, maybe he's talking about Joe? (laughs) It's impossible. It's impossible. Let's look at one of the the main areas where this is filled. If you would get your Bibles out, we're going to go to Luke chapter 2. And this is, I've shared this before, this is my favorite area of the Christmas narrative. Um, When it comes down to the shepherds and the angels, we're going to uh, Luke chapter 2. We're going to start out in verse 8. Um, and see what what's here but this is the, the to me the exciting fulfillment of the prophecy of isaiah and this is after again like if you look at the beginning of chapter two you probably see something like the birth of jesus christ and it talks about jesus being born and then we bring in the shepherds and the angels so i'm going to start with verse eight saying um, in the same region where jesus was born there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over the flock by night And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from uh, them into heaven, the shepherds said to each other, Well, I guess we should go up to Bethlehem and see what happened, this thing that the Lord has made known to us. <laughs> and they went with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in a manger. Um, I'm going to go more details on this on Christmas Eve Eve. But just the just the fact, a, again, that these guys are just out there in their jobs. Some of the 2010 testimonies we already had. I just went to work. I was just doing my job. And the next thing, God stepped in. Next thing, the Holy Spirit showed up. Uh, and, and with the angel, angel's proclamation that these guys who were basically, well, I'll, I'll tip the card a little bit, misfits, uh, were called into the Christmas story. They were called to be used. And I, it's still is if we're talking about biblical imagination, still uh, makes me internally happy trying to picture them going from stable to stable, from barn to barn, trying to find the baby who's the Messiah. You know, because I personally don't think that they got it the first time. I think that like, I, I would almost, the way that God works, I would almost think that the last one, they're like, okay, maybe, maybe we've got something wrong here. Was good. But, but for them to keep going from barn to barn, looking inside and going, nope, Nope, we're going to find this baby. It's not in the hospital. It's not with a, you know, a, a midwife. They said it's water clothes and, and a hay trough, so let's go f- keep finding him. And they find him, and what an incredible response would be. They have heard from God, and now they have experienced. Verse 17, And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told them concerning this child. And all who heard it wondered at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her hearts, and the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told them. What is the first response that they have? Worship and sharing the message. Sharing the message. You are not going to believe this. We were out in the angels, and the angels came, and this is the message, and we get looking around, feeling like idiots, and next thing we know, you're sitting here. They're like, hey, no, we fully get it because we, uh, you know. Kind of have a messed up God, too. He does crazy things. And then as they went forward, they did what? Shared the message. They took it out. They were sent. Let's go back to that first definition of prophet that I told you. and It's on the next slide, Chris. A person regarded as an inspired teacher or proclaimed of the will of God. My problem with that definition, the reason why it's not first, is because I think it brings to mind somebody else not me that, that that's why I think it does I, I, th- I think it's something within our intellect that Satan likes to push as hard as he can so we think that somebody else and not me I'm not an inspired teacher I'm not a, a proclaimer of the will of will of God right I remember one time uh this is a long time ago. We were downtown still, so maybe only Ginger would probably be the only w- one in the room that would remember those days that's here. Um, there was, huh? Somebody else? Carrie? Oh, that's true. I just didn't think you could think that far back. <laughs> I'm kidding. Those should be you, because you and Scott were like first Sunday. What is wrong with me? And who else? Tony? Were you downtown? Were you at the racquetball club? And you know what? You actually get parts because you're also a prospect Baptist back in the day, before, before this even came to be. Okay, I'm an idiot. You're smart. I'm ugly. You're good looking. But um, <laughs> people are saying thank you. We're not part of the list. Uh, but I understand. I create compliments anywhere I can too. But, anyways, there was this one Sunday I had a marker board up like I do, like the paper boards. And I, uh, we started out by, by saying, um, as you are a newer church, what do you guys expect of your pastor? Let's just brainstorm, what do you expect of your pastor? And you got everything on there about, you know, being be spiritually mature, being in the scripture, seeking God for his vision, taking, reaching out to others for Christ. You know, it's just everything. we've just filled this thing of what people expect of pastors. And I remember looking at it and saying, okay, I'm in, as long as you do it too. And I remember like a couple of people gasping like, oh, holy crap, I didn't mean to put that stuff on myself. <laughs> but but, but it's, the, it's just the way that we process. A person regarded as an inspired teacher, a proclaimer of the will of God. <laughs> Let me give you the other one. It's longer, it's a little bit more complicated, but I think it gets us more in the ballpark. A prophet or prophetess is an individual who's regarded as being in contact with a divine being and is said to speak on behalf of that being, serving as it's a intermediary, mir- intermediary, there we go, with humanity by delivering messages or teachings from the superset natural source to the other people. Definitely Isaac, definitely Amos, definitely all the people that we mentioned. But don't the shepherds fit that too? Didn't they they have contact with the divine being? Didn't they they speak on behalf of that being and and serving as this in-between between the world and that God to bring his message to the people? They definitely do. They definitely do. Don't you and I? Matthew 28, 17 through 20. Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded of you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. We're called and we're sent, the question becomes, am I Amos or am I Jonah? Do I like to do the Christian stuff in the boxes that I'm comfortable in, and I get upset when God calls me out of it, and I pout when he takes and does something nice for somebody that really annoys the crap out of me? Or am I Amos that says, I have no business doing this? I'm just a shepherd. I'm just a sycamore tree farmer. I'm just a sinner who's only saved by grace. Right. Now you've got a message to take out. Now you are sent. That's what I want to focus on this month. Uh, For a multitude of of reasons, um, and I share this every year, but please hear it with fresh ears. Um, December is, from a cultural standpoint, an incredibly rich month when it comes to outreach. Incredibly rich. Uh, and it's not just for the church. That's, that's, uh, you will see more documentaries about Christ on History Channel and Discovery Channel, not the best sources, but History Channel and Discovery Channel about Christ this month and the month of Easter than you will any other time of the year because people are thinking about him. People, the, the, pe- people are out there that are um, thinking about Jesus because they remember what it used to be like when they went to church as a little kid and they have fond memories of going to the candlelight service with Grandma. Then they don't think about it any other time of the year. People are more open because, as Nicole was sharing, December is a horrible month when it comes to people struggling with grief and mental health issues that are looking for something, some kind of something because we're designed to have that something because that something is Jesus Christ. It's an incredible, incredible season. Um, And if we're coming off of this time is short and we need to be good stewards and Christian community is awesome messages, then we need to be able to take that out to those that need it, that need to hear it. And we've already heard in some of our testimonies today people that are in the workplaces or homes that need it loved, people at Walmart, whether it be Marion or Marysville whether they're in Nicole's way or not. <laughs> we as a church do try to support you and your ministry with events that you can invite people to because some people can go up and talk to somebody about Jesus without any thoughts whatsoever. And some people, Jesus will take taken time to go talk to them about Jesus and they're talking about Jesus and they're shaking as much as Lisa was when she was up here. You're a good girl. I'm proud of you. So let's talk about some of those opportunities because it's so easy for us to think about it from an only personal standpoint. This worship concert, Saturday night from 5 to 6, is a great opportunity to bring others so that they can see what it looks like to worship our God. Have you thought about inviting anybody to it yet? Have you thought about sharing with it what God does through it yet? Uh, The kids, December 10th, right after that, have you invited any families you know that have kids to that? That's going to be an awesome event where the kids are just loved on and taught Jesus, and they're doing crafts, and they're doing their own music, uh, the whole nine yards. I had one person ask, and I understand why, uh, like, we're doing Santa? Isn't that hard taking the focus off of Jesus? I was like, well, no, Santa himself is no worse than anything else that we have. I kind of like the big fat guy, but, the, but if we put him above Jesus, as they come to get a picture with Jesus and they hear the story of Jesus, we're on the right track. We're on the right track. I can understand from different backgrounds and different cultures. You might have different thoughts on that, but we're on the right track. Uh, Sunday mornings, the next few weeks are op- awesome opportunities. We're going to be sharing. It's very gospel-oriented as we go through for people who don't know. Um, Christmas Eve, Eve You guys seem to do a pretty good job with that. I'd love to pack this place out. Uh, and we've got some great surprises with that. Uh, we've got a great surprise on the worship night too, but I'm not going to tell you what it is. But if you come... You'll be the very first people to know something. Uh, resources. Resources. We give you resources to try to back you up. The 2010, that's, that's there f- for you guys. We've always done it with you guys' money. This is the first year we did it with church money. Uh, my hope, my hope, my hope, is your story becomes like Stein's. I gave the churches $20 away, and then later I did my $10 here. And that we, uh, do you imagine if you put $20 in your wallet every freaking month and thought about what, what does God want to do with this? It'd be awesome. It's a great resource to, to be able to reach out to people. I was at, uh, well, with Becky and them, we were having the day before the fire. Oh, Jackson, are you, is your hand holding or you just want to be included in the story? Jackson, <laughs> <laughs> like, I was there too. Uh, but the day before the fire, we, we all had a um, bunch over at the diner. And uh, before they got there, I heard two waitresses talk, and one was like, hey, if you want to go home, we're slow to us. She's like, no, I'm trying to pick up hours uh, be- because things are rough right now, and they're not giving me very many hours. And it's like, okay, just kind of put that in the back of your head. And then we had a bunch of stuff, and then uh, I, when they left and I was paying, uh, I got that, we, we had the same waitress that was struggling, was our waitress, and she did a great job. Uh, and then she rang me up, and we gave a 20% tip, and then I handed her my 20 and said, hey, by, by the way, this is just a little extra to bless you during the holidays. And she's like, oh, thank you, you know. And uh, as I'm walking away, she starts kind of exploring it. And I hear her say behind me, like, oh, there's your business card's in here. And because uh, the need prayer card was wrapping the, the 20. I said, well, it's not really a business card. I said, I know it looks like one, but this is, it's a need prayer just in case you need anything or need some prayer. That's how you can contact our church. We're doing this. And, uh, like, she w- you, you could see that uh, the Spirit was doing something. That was pretty cool. That was pretty awesome. Uh, that's why one of the reasons we want to give you this opportunity. Uh, so you got the new prayer cards. you got the invite cards in your bulletin this week. You see those? you got invite cards to uh, Christmas Eve Eve. Feel free to use those as you're talking to people. Gosh, uh, so I don't know. We have another resource that I'm going to tell you all about at the worship concert, and we're not going to tell you right now. Um, but you're going to like it, especially Cindy. And then... <laughs> I got a feeling Cindy might know what it is, though. Might not put it together right now. I'll tell you afterwards. Nobody else gets to know. Uh, We also have, we put the billboard up? Have anybody found them yet? I know Carrie has. She found one. Anybody? Okay. Um, We have done three billboards. We had done this once before years ago. I'm not a big fan of billboards when it comes to ministry. It works for retail. Uh, That's my background, but it's not really that great for ministry. Uh, Outside of, we've had two that have done... uh, D- done some good things. One is Shock Your Mama. If anybody remembers Shock Your Mama, if you don't, uh, Shock Your Mama, go back to church and there's this old lady on it that looks like she's about to pee her pants. Uh, <laughs> that, I think, is going to be coming back again in the spring. This one we do, if you've talked fa- about Facebook, I purposely put it, it's not about advertising, it's about proclamation. Uh, this is not uh, something we're, we're putting it up and we're saying, we think 300 people are going to come to church because they like this billboard. Uh, I highly doubt that. Uh, but this is the closest we can get to the angels in the sky proclaiming the good news of Jesus Christ of our community. Uh, really, really debated it because the money for the billboard's like, well, we could help this person, we could help this person. And I, I felt strongly the, the Holy Spirit bringing up the story of the woman anointing Jesus' t- uh, feet and Judas getting ticked off because we could do so much money for the good, you know, with that money, even though he just wanted to steal it. Uh, And Jesus said, the poor will always be with you, but I'll only be with you for a season. Sometimes we just need to honor him and worship him in our community. So those are out there. Here's what I hope the secondary purpose of that is, is that if you work and you do 2010, you invite somebody to Christmas Eve, Eve, they look at it and say, hey, is that that church that has those billboards over by Walmart? Maybe we give you a little foundation. That's that's pretty much it. Uh, Day-to-day you have opportunities, the 2010 that we had. Uh, I'm going to hack this. no, I'm, I'm not. Andrew will you go see if Jessica Ferratini will come over? I'm going to let her tell her own testimony because I'm going to hack it up. Uh, but 2010, we've seen that day-to-day as people have been praying about that, on that, following the Spirit, sharing your uh, testimonies taken and in, uh, doing invitations uh, make, make really big differences. But uh, make no mistake, uh, those are just resources we're giving you because you're a prophet.
0: If you were blessed by today's teaching, we hope you return for our next podcast. Or better yet, stop by the Shepherd's Fellowship any Sunday morning to join us live. You can learn more about the church by calling 740-382-3500 or check us out online by going to tsflife.com. That's tsflife.com. You can also support the ministry of TSF Life by donating at our church website or sending support to the Shepherds Fellowship, 1647 Marion Marysville Road, Marion, Ohio, 43302. Thank you for spending your time with us today, and we look forward to seeing you soon.
1: Be blessed.